This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Todd, and our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR or Informa, its parent company. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. My name is Todd Willits, and I'm joined by EPFR's economist Cameron Brandt. We'll walk you through what our teams were monitoring last week in the data EPFR tracks, as well as what we'll look for in the upcoming week. Cam, good morning. Uh, How has your spring been going? Um, I've been enjoying it. Uh, I get the kids back from school in another couple of weeks, so uh, the relative calm uh, is about to be punctured. Uh, But so far, so good. Great. Well, last week, investors helped a number of groups hit a bit of an inflow plateau, it seemed. Uh, But then we saw a bit of sentiment shift in the last few days of the week. What was at play? I know there were a lot of uh, macro events happening. Yes, there there were plenty of reasons, uh, given how the reporting period fell, for investors to sit back and uh, wait for some fairly important uh, points of information, some major earnings releases, uh, the Fed's April meeting, and uh, President Joseph Biden's address uh, to both houses of Congress. For the most part, they got the information I think they were hoping they would get, which is pretty robust earnings with decent, uh, good, decent, in fact, good, you know, forward guidance. Uh, the Fed saying that it's going to stick to its current highly accommodative guns, uh, and and Joe Biden promising yet more stimulus spending, uh, and and our daily data uh, definitely captured that um, pretty flat through the first four days of the reporting period, but then picking up sharply on uh, on uh, Wednesday and yesterday. So uh, as we look ahead to next week, I know we usually talk about this at the end, uh, over the next week, do you think there's anything that either could spook that sentiment or, or get, get us back to um, even bigger inflows? I mean, I think the odds favor uh, bigger inflows, but uh, there are a number of uh, indicators in our data that uh, people might uh, choose to kick the tires a bit more thoroughly. Um, One of them is this continuing skepticism about the Fed's uh, transitory inflation narrative. Um, And we can talk about that perhaps a little further in the podcast. But also, in the case of Europe, uh, Italy has unveiled what you might call a Joe Biden light plan for recovery. Uh, you know, lots of spending on uh, greening the economy, improving infrastructure, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and leading up to that, uh, partly because of the magic of, of uh, Mario Draghi's reputation, uh, both uh, dedicated Italy equity and bond funds had been seeing very consistent inflows. Uh, the moment there was a plan in hand, <laughs> those inflows turned to, you know, solid, not out of court. Uh, outflows. Um, you know, at some point, uh, there is going to have to be a more sober analysis of what all of this money is going to buy. Uh, and while the sugar rush is still on and the sort of relief rally from the the, the, the long, dark COVID period, um, you know, I'm definitely seeing some signs that the market is, is starting to be a little more analytical 
uh, of what's been thrown at it, uh, especially uh, in the past three or four months. I think a lot of what we're seeing with emerging markets uh, is is probably uh, similar, where uh, obviously a lot of the conversation has been around India in the last couple of weeks. And I think we saw that reflected that that understanding of uh, what's happening on the ground is is reflected in our numbers. Yes, I think that's true. Um, I- India was obviously the headliner last week because of the way that its COVID story took a, a turn uh, for the worse, uh, and it you know, it, it added to a sort of a comparative narrative between EM and DM that really heavily favors DM. Um, we talked about a pause at the, uh, at the start of this this talk, uh, and that something similar is happening in regards to China. China has indicated that its economy is strong enough to um, keep going forward with some degree of policy normalization. Uh, investors want to see what that actually looks like. Uh, and there's also a couple of... Uh, fairly significant restructuring of uh, Chinese debt issuers that have run into trouble, Uh, none of them systematically important, but definitely being viewed by foreign investors as a reference point uh, in terms of of how committed they should be uh, to Chinese assets, given that you know, protect protections, especially for foreign investors, definitely still lag behind uh, what we're used to. So, in the next, again, same question as as the top. In the next week or so, do you see any events or any developments that change the narrative there? There's nothing. I'm I'm sort of uh, particularly uh, looking at. I mean, markets in general are forward forward looking. Uh, and though obviously it's somewhat difficult to look past uh, <coughs> the double dip recession in the eurozone and and, and the, the human tragedy that uh, India is dealing with, I think for the most part they are. So uh, especially given that the sort of stimulus narrative in the U.S. hasn't changed, and in fact has gotten more <laughs> robust, uh, you know, I think the general direction is up. Um, and uh, India, even with its latest troubles, the IMF and private analysts are expecting 10% GDP growth this year. So um, you, we're see- maybe seeing a delay in the party, but uh, the guests still expect quite a bit of champagne in the punch bowls. You talked about the uh, one of my favorite terms so far of 2021, the skepticism about the transitory narrative uh, with the Fed. How does that play out? And, and we've talked about it in, po- in prior weeks. For those who haven't listened in, how does that play out in the data that EPFR tracks? Well, of course, the most in the most obvious place, which is uh, flows to inflation-protected bond funds, which have... Uh, really been, uh, you know, more consistent and higher than average since the middle of last year and, and are, are continue to uh, come in at a very steady pace. Uh, perhaps somewhat more significantly is the accompanying flows we've seen this year into bank loan funds. Uh, you, the, these, are, these produce more complex signals because some of the debt uh, that, go, that these funds invest in uh, also can serve duty as a high yield play. 
Um, but they are, are a, a fun group that investors turn to when they anticipate uh, rises in short-term interest rates. And what is interesting about recent flows is that they haven't really been accompanied by any rise in sort of collective fund performance. So, you know, that tells me that the motivation is not yield. It is uh, positioning for uh, higher inflation and the higher rates that the, a significant minority of the market still seems to expect uh, isn't that far over the horizon. So what are you and the team going to be looking at over the next week? So actually, we're uh, going to be taking a bit of a dive into uh, where retail involvement and interest is at the moment. Uh, We haven't seen a game stop in recent weeks, but we are still continuing to see elevated levels of retail interest uh, in many fund groups where they've been absent uh, for quite some time. Um, we, uh, our hedge fund data is about to get a significant bump, uh, and the, you know, that we've talked about this before, but there were some teething pains to actually bring it on board. Those have pretty much been re- resolved. So we'll start to dive in there looking for signals. Um, and, um, we're also doing some work on, um, you know, what reversion to the mean, uh, actually looks like given these these massive uh, central bank interventions. Great. Thanks, Cam. Have a great week. Good. You too. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the EPFR Exchange podcast. For more information or to suggest a topic for a future podcast, please visit epfr.com slash podcast.